Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about, time for Mortgage Matters. Well, hello, good morning, everybody. Happy August 1st. Thanks so much for being with us. Jim, Dan, good morning. Morning. Good morning. Good morning, stranger. Stranger? Man, I used to know you. <laughs> you used to be on this radio show. Oh, boy. Was I not here last week, too? Yeah, <laughs> I think it's of, been like weeks. a month yeah, since no. we've seen you. Uh, I was here like two weeks ago. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. You just said something about me taking vacation, but I think there's been a lot of vacation time. A lot of vacation. Yeah, big mm-hmm. vacations guy over here. Yeah. This has been busy. There's lots going on. It's summertime. <laughs> Kids are out of school. You know, little yeah. trips. Yeah. Little well, things. That's a good thing. Yeah. You need to get away and see something different for a while. Yeah, as beautiful as this place is. Hey, you know what? I've gotten a handful of Saturdays off in the last couple mm-hmm. months, and none of them have been for a funeral. So that's <laughs> well, that's good. I'm really happy. <laughs> There's about a bright that. side of life. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, nobody died in the Grody family. It's, it's all good. So what's new? What have you guys been doing since I haven't been here? Lots of awkward silences. Living the radio dream. Actually, <laughs> yeah. I'm. I've been uh, developing your own <laughs> sense of speaking, <laughs> developing my vocal cords, really, yeah. really giving them an intense workout. Yeah, Dad's got a lot more going on here in the neck right now. He's been yeah. On the Do you see? I know you look you, kind of look like looking, trout, looking kind of neck buff. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> me 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 me. Yeah. So. Jim, do you have a little radio warm ups like that that you guys <laughs> me, do? Me 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 me. me. Yeah. Like the, what is it? The the brown dog jumped yeah. over the fence or something. There's some things yeah, you're that's supposed to the say. Brown, yeah, like a tongue twister. Yeah. Which I can never to do. To get all limber and ready. Yeah. That's what you're supposed to do when I was uh, taught to get into radio. Yeah. Just to like limber it up and stuff. Best thing to do, walk up to the microphone and start talking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I think so, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and have fun. Yeah. People can tell when you're smiling, even when they can't see you. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, That's you guys they, are smiling. Yeah, smile, it makes a difference. Uh-huh. Yeah. Can you well, hear it? Dan and I get to take the weekend off because you're here this weekend. So yeah, yeah. So chat, I'm going to kick back and I'll, I'll be here when you need me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We can do it that way if you want to do it that way. Oh, boy. So much stuff here in the news. So much going on. Uh, I heard yesterday that um, that real estate's in the toilet. Did you guys hear that? I did not. Oh, no. yeah. Values are way less than they thought they were going to be. Hmm. It's no good. Did hmm. we start building again way too soon or something? Yeah, too many built too many houses. Hmm. Interest rates are too high. No, man, it's opposite. It's all, it's all going pretty good. Hmm. Um, I, I still do see all those doom and gloom articles, folks talking about, you know, whether this is a new bubble. And, you know, we talk a lot about that. I don't think so. I think in order for there to be a real bubble, it's got to be uh, some kind of false sense of affordability or false sense of value or something. Um, I, I was seeing, though, 
interestingly enough, there was a there was a piece. Um, oh, I, Wes sent it to me. Did he send you that uh, about the uh, rent affordability charts? Did you see that? I did not. I always hate talking about charts on the radio because you know they sort of visual, More of a visual aid. <laughs> they're visual in nature. <laughs> yeah, um, you know. But anyway, just kind of showing how in many places the that rapid appreciation that was you remember a couple years ago there was parts of the market that were doing double digit appreciation. Oh, a large yeah, large portion of the market that slowed down, and mm. you know, we'll talk more about this component of it later but that slowed down it slowed down to somewhere between four and five percent which we kind of consider the normal rate of appreciation right yes you know what didn't slow down i don't know rent increases (laughs) and it's not only i mean these are fun ones because these are some of the ones that um you can discuss nationally and you can discuss right here in good old san luis obispo is that rent is continuing to increase at a rate quicker than property value is increasing, which means that there's a, there, that relationship, that affordability index is, is getting pinched hard for the renters. Well, and I think even arguably more important than the, the, the rate, the proportion or the relativity of the, the rent increase to the property value is the rent increase to wage increase. Sure. And there's some numbers that, um, that show that nationally rents are up twice as fast or twice as much as wages. Right. Rents up over 4%, wages up 2%. And this is just for good, a recent monthly reading. Good thing you can share a house, huh? Too bad you can't share a job. <laughs> the, <laughs> I got to go now. <laughs> I'm going to need you to work my overtime. Last week, we touched on this a little bit that um, here in San Luis Obispo County, the the worker earning that the median min, or median wage worker in San Luis Obispo County needs four roommates had to work 1.9 full-time jobs to afford the median two bedroom apartment yeah. in the county that's rough yeah two full jobs 1.9 One po- okay yeah, so basically not- two full jobs yeah. two full-time that's jobs that's a lot of jobs yeah. <laughs> to have to rent Oh man, that's brutal. That's yeah, crazy. Actually. I heard somebody this week was talking about how uh, rents were hitting eight hundred dollars a bedroom in San Luis. And I turned and I said, "You're crazy, man. <laughs> you can get it it's for that cheap <laughs> easily a thousand bucks a bedroom yeah. in San Luis. And if you're renting yours for eight hundred bucks a bedroom." Hopefully it's because you're not worried about money anymore and you're not still in that collecting money mode. Um, yeah, I mean, $800 a bedroom is on the low end. So that has to be a home that's got some deferred maintenance, that's small, you know, lacking bathrooms, things like that. We we were working with some first-time home buyers who are renting a home built in 1940, a 700-square-foot home built in... 1940, no updates whatsoever, um, and they were renting it. It's a two-bedroom, one-bath, 700-square-foot home, renting it for $1,600. And they had been there a while. so They, they had were, a good deal. Yeah, so they were getting the benefit of, of being the long-term renter, um, that discount that comes with that. Yeah, that's tough. So, yeah, 
whether you're looking at it just from that, I mean, and this this pictogram that I'm talking about is ultimately from please describe it the realtors and and essentially what they're saying is if you're if you're fed up and frustrated if or feel like you missed the boat in terms of real estate because it it got too expensive too quick again or something like that you know because you run into that I see that I still have people coming in to say that now they're gonna wait for the next shoe to drop because this just got too crazy too fast um, but when you, when you go back and you look though at the, what rents have done, there's no real good reason to see or expect that rents are going to have radical decline through all of those real estate woes, you know, those few years here, did anybody's rent go down? Not usually. <laughs> they Not, stayed the same for a long period of time. But yeah. You didn't down. see the same kind of increases right away, which is what we're seeing now. Right. Um, but yeah, they, they, they didn't necessarily go down, right? A lot of those rents stayed the same. But, you know, a lot more people became renters that hadn't been renters in a long time. People that had, like, foreclosures, short sales, those kind of things that didn't get – couldn't own their home anymore now became renters. Yeah, but wouldn't – aren't there a lot of those people, Jason, I'm pardon the interruption, but wouldn't they be the ones kind of that maybe shouldn't have bought a house in the first place at that point in time? And yeah, maybe, maybe you guys would have advised against them doing it, right? Yeah, there. maybe. You know that that's easy to get wrapped up in, and uh-huh. I I'd have to say that you know scoring it now, and I my opinion on this has probably changed through the years a little bit too. But scoring it now, I, if if nothing else, now I'm going to just chalk it up to your generation, um, and it was largely the people from from you know that are in our demographic, like the. Uh, would I'd say right now the 35 to 40 year olds, mm-hmm. those were the people that in 2005 were like ready to buy real estate. And, you know, you, you can't really help that. You can't really help what part of the economy you're um, set free in and ready to go make things happen. Um, so there's a lot of people, I mean, so many great people that had phenomenal credit and fully documented loans didn't get liar loans, maybe even made some down payment that just got clobbered by the market because they bought at the perfectly wrong time. Um, so I think it, it mostly there is just that that age demographic that got clobbered. However, as we well know, that's not what was limited there. There were plenty of people that were just stupid. <laughs> we got to call a spade a spade there. So, yeah. yeah um yeah, lot, some of those people, yeah, they shouldn't have been buying in the first place. But, um, you know, it it's a, we're years from that now. Those people are buying homes again. Those people are coming out every day. Uh, literally every day somebody comes forward and wants to talk about uh, buying a new house after they've had the short sale or the foreclosure or the bankruptcy. Dan and I were working on a, a case just yesterday for a borrower who um, whose husband from his previous marriage had to have a short sale when they dissolved their marriage. They had some property to get rid of that wasn't worth what they paid for it. And they did a short sale. So see, sometimes there's different reasons why people have those kind of events happen. Um, and you know, I this is probably a pretty good time in case we've caught the ear of any listeners that are considering, um, reemerging and, and getting back into the real estate market. 
Generally speaking, um, if you had a, a bankruptcy or a foreclosure or short sale, for the most part, it needs to be a couple years. Um, two years after that is when you can really get ready to start uh, buying again, probably. Three years is awfully safe. Um, and I'll encourage any of you guys that have had those credit mishaps, Those are it's a good idea to come see us uh, now before you're already there because there's a lot about rebuilding credit that you need to do that most people don't know about. If you have, say, for example, you have a bankruptcy and they get rid of all your credit, right? Your car loan, your credit cards, all your, they just you get a clean slate, come out the other side, you could buy a house uh, with an FHA loan after two years. If you don't do anything in that two-year period and you don't reestablish any credit at all, you won't be able to buy a home. So coming to see us and learning about what those standards are, what you need to do to be well-prepared, and then also just maybe you know making a real good effort at that so you could have the best possible credit score, get yourself the lowest interest rate and best closing costs. Uh, we work with lots of people like that. Um, Another little kind of interesting guideline that came out within the last couple of weeks here since I've been gone is that Fannie Mae got rid of that um, equity requirement for people that were getting rid of their house and getting a new one. The departing residents. Yeah. You know, and what in this again, this was a, a response to the in the recession. What would happen is so let's say let's say we're in let's say we're in two thousand and eight now, right? And I've got a house that I bought in 2005 for 500 grand that's now worth 250. And I'm paying the bills on time. Everything's all good. I'm just pretty upset about it. And the neighbors got a house over there for 250,000 that's literally nicer than my house. Um, people kind of became a large scale thing, started doing what we call the buy and dash. Buy and bail. Buy and bail. Yeah. Same. <laughs> buy this house. When your credit's still good, got it all going on, buy the house, move all your stuff in, get in there, be all good. Oh, and what are we doing with that other house? Going to rent it out, right? Air quotes on the rent it out. And then days after moving out of it, they just let it go to foreclosure, right? Knowing that now they have their new house. Just let it go. Yeah, just walk away. <laughs> uh, they have their new house, all stuff's in there. Yeah, their credit's going to take a hit, but hey. They've already got their house. It's going to be a few years before the credit's back, so no big deal. How um, do you do that, though? Because don't, isn't there certain laws about, like, you know, that, I mean, obviously there's... I don't know, man. Our well, government our government up. made some pretty lenient uh, accommodations for people that went down the foreclosure short sale path. There may You may have to pay... Um, you may receive a 1099 for the deficient amount that you have to pay taxes on. There's different oh, you tax could, There could be a judgment. I mean, there's yeah. there's a handful of repercussions that will make you wish you had thought that through better. Well, but people are in a mode of me first kind of thing. And I know that this is a bad investment. So I'm going to get myself into sure. a better investment before I tank my credit strategically. Yeah, if it's going to happen anyway. I mean, talk about the definition of a strategic default. That's a well-planned yeah. out well, may, well planned could be argued, but it's a planned out um, move there, financial right. financial move. So the agencies, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, who facilitate like 95% of lending within the United States, came forward and said, we're on to you. So if that's your game, if you think you're just going to do a buy and bail, 
Um, we're requiring that you demonstrate 30% equity in your departing residence before you can, you know, make it a rental and buy a new house. And so uh, that kind of stopped a lot of that, didn't it? I mean, it, it definitely, we had so many people come in and say, oh, I'm going to buy this house and rent mine out. No, you're not because you you need the rents on that house to qualify and you don't have 30% equity, so it doesn't work like that. So Fannie Mae recognized that they're sort of facilitating burning themselves by allowing people to buy a second residence when the first one was obviously underwater. So, but just two weeks ago, they pulled that guideline. And I think it's a, I think it says a few things. I mean, number one, it was intended to be a temporary guideline anyway. And I think it's awfully conservative, honestly, because even if you have what we might determine to be 75% equity in your house, those people were having to buy a full-blown appraisal um, to prove it. And, you know, so it just made their transaction more complicated, more expensive well, and, and take longer. And even in the event that they, they get an appraisal and they show that they have equity, but it's only 25% or 29% in like a terrible worst case scenario, then they're forced to... That they may be in a position where they can't afford to buy that right. new home. Maybe they put a down payment down, but they haven't reached the full 30% equity requirement. Their family has grown. They're, they've outgrown their home. Right. Maybe they, they've moved, right? Maybe their job has taken them to a different place. I, I don't know. There's a lot of reasons. And where, there was no exceptions to the rule. Right. There wasn't. So, so I think it accommodates that kind of situation. We talked about this last week. It doesn't mean that the underwriter can't question a scenario where someone's moving out of departing from a residence that has less equity. Um, it doesn't mean that they can't still scrutinize that deal, but now there's some leniency to allow it if it makes sense, but they can still say, mm, I'm not going to give you the rent here because your story doesn't make sense. Right. So it just, it, it gives them latitude now, Yeah. which I think is good. Well, and a lot of the programs are going to require too, that you have some landlord experience before you can just, become a renter and, and use the rent to offset that. Um, so all in all, though, I think it's a return. It's giving a little bit of the power back to the underwriter to use some discretion. And Whereas boy, saying, isn't that welcome, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> Rather than just saying we got to go to the lowest common denominator and treat everybody like a crook, right? We got to now we're going to allow some discretion to be used to where it makes sense. So still keep an eye out for those people that are, you know, going to make those, like you said, strategic defaults where they really craft a plan to me first and just really hamstring somebody else. This is this is going to prevent that from being rampant like it was, but it allows the underwriter to use a little bit of discretion to do a better job accommodating somebody, like you said, with a growing family or that moved to the other side of town or sometimes even out of the county you'd go for a job you know get relocated from one county to another that could be a real hardship for people and we saw that play out it was one of those examples where you know sometimes the baby got thrown out with the bathwater. all in all i think it was a good guideline i mean at i probably time, would have done the same great. thing at the helm it was creative and it worked and it helped but um, anyone who's hung on to a home that maybe has negative equity or very little equity who's hung on for these last seven or eight years. Don't you think the risk has very really been minimized at this point? Yeah. I mean, they're I not likely to now pull some strategic 
yeah. scenario where they buy a home and then bail on this one. I, I just think it's highly unlikely that they've hung on for this long. No, I, I think you're right about that. The only people that probably would have hung on this long are those people that have like adjustable rate loans, those big interest only loans. And man, remember some of those are like those negatively amortizing interest only loans. So some of those people are enjoying a really low payment that's going to radically correct here one day, but there that's not the that's not the masses for sure. Um, hey y'all, it's break thirty. Actually, just kidding. It's break twenty five. Um, I wanted to do a break five minutes ago, but Dan was on a roll, so we just let him go. <laughs> Dan, so yak, yak, yaks. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Did, when I'm Jim, when I'm not I'm here, is Dan like returning emails and like doing business down there like that? I don't think so. No, you might, you get so a much. lot more done when I'm here, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, guys, we're gonna take time to do a quick commercial break. Thank the sponsors. We'll be back in a few minutes with more Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. Our loans are not trucked in from some big thing. They're raised right here on the Central Coast. No hormones, no GMOs, no antibiotics. Call today and get your gluten-free mortgage from a caring lender that knows you only accept the best for your family. Just call Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328-358. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks. I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Sing 
All right, guys, welcome back. All right, well, hey. I cannot believe it's already August 1st. That's crazy, huh? Isn't that silly? Hey, who sings that song? Jesus Jones. Jesus Jones. Yeah. Yeah. I like it, actually. That's a good song. Yeah. That is a good song. That was a, a one-hit wonder, though, wasn't it? They Pretty have much, any yeah. other hits? Yeah, well, you know, they're mostly in the UK. But, oh, okay. uh, yeah, they are, that's like their one big crossover hit right here, right now. Right I went to the, the US hit. I went to the fair the other night. Um, I don't know what was it Thursday night. Hopefully not during Motley Crew where you got home at like three a.m. <laughs> I did not. I I saw there was an article in the paper they were going to try to give people refunds or something. No, people yeah. tried to get refunds. Who stayed through the whole show and they denied them? People who who asked for a refund before the show started late did get refunds. Yeah. There at the park. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not like they didn't have a good excuse. I mean, Alice Cooper had a hole in his airplane. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it all, it's things that happen when you're like traveling across the country. Yeah, and I figured they probably would have had some kind of like event insurance yeah. or something, because that's got to be hard to make up when it's for a fair. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of those people drive over here from the Valley and stuff, too, yeah. to go see a show like that. Yeah. It's not just people that are in Paso and mildly inconvenienced. <laughs> yeah. But... Yeah, no, I went to the Blues and Brews. Did you hear about that? I did. How was it? It was cool. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I it think sounds that, iffy. Yeah, <laughs> I think that like... the house sound system for the for the grand stage in there, whatever they yeah. call it, I think it's just no good. Yeah, the, it really, you know. And so when the big acts come that come and fly their own speakers and stuff, it's yeah. a notable difference yeah um but yeah steven sills Good. can still play the heck out of the guitar his awesome. voice is getting a little thin but he did yeah. play some of the old uh i was gonna say csn is that right Crosby Crosby Stills Stills Nash. Nash. yeah that was right mm-hmm. i don't want to say it wrong i all of a sudden i started thinking about one of those shows with like ice cube and the mm-hmm. that's csi though I yeah. saw Stephen Sills play CSI. <laughs> that's no, the it, Who, by the way, on the beginning of CSI. But it, it, that's like we digress. Is it right really? There. Yes. What's course. what track? Did they uh, the Who? Oh, gosh, I can't think of it right now. But it's it's the, it's the Who on all the CSI. Interesting. Yeah. I don't watch CSI. Mm-hmm. I know it's on like NBC, like twenty mm-hmm. hours a day or something, right? Yeah, something like that. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Well, Dan, do you want to talk some of all this other stuff? All the, oh man, there's inflation, producer price index, consumer spending. Who are you? That's the song. Who, 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 who? Yeah. Anyway, okay, back back to the mortgage stuff. What do you think? Am, yeah. I, inter- am I interrupting? Do you have some more <laughs> typing to do over there? <laughs> Trying to re- remain productive as I <laughs> yeah. as I just learn so much. Make from the you. most out of every minute. <laughs> That's right. Get it in there. Yeah, let's talk about some stuff. What it, what it, what's happening? Well, Feds met this last week, right? They did. And how did that go? Yeah, you know, things are looking good, but they're not ready 100%, to pull the trigger. Oh. 50% chance of rate increases in September. Yeah, I think that's the big question. Is what it, is the is percentage? It September or December? I I don't know. Have I don't think it's either. Attention. Let's have a pool. That'd be fun. 
Well, remember back to a press conference a month ago, it seemed as if Janet Yellen more or less said that it's going to happen this year. Yeah. Um, she also said that it's it, there's going to be a press conference that follows it. So the speculation is that it's going to be done at one of the meetings where there's already a scheduled press conference. So that would be either the September or December meetings. That's why those two meetings are are the two likeliest candidates for the announcement of a rate increase. Um, There are other people who think that, you know, that was just talk and, and they may not truly raise until next year. Hard to say The, the fed, you know, made very few changes to this most recent policy statement. Um, the, the few changes that were included in the statement really just reflected that the economy continues to improve. Um, albeit slowly. Um, but they're still looking for inflation. They believe inflation is going to start to hit its two percent target, but right now it's it's failing at that. The, but they, but Janet did say, I think it was not not this most recent minutes, but the previous one that um, they'll look to um, inflation sort of on its indicative path rather than say that it needed to already happen before rates will go. Sure, up. sure. Yeah, so they're going to be looking at the monthly data is basically what what they're saying. The bottom line, too, though, I mean, read all this stuff about the minutes release. And, yeah, September or December, right, because October is a non-press conference month. Um, They could easily raise rates at one of those. I mean, there's been enough deliberation over whether or not it would happen that they could do it. And we would just have to figure out how to make it work. However, the I think the bottom line here is that nobody has any idea. You keep reading about these people. I think it's likely, think it's not. The margin for September now is really low. There's very it's not 50%. I mean, from what I see, it seems like, you know, 10 or 15% of people are expecting a rate hike in September. And I honestly think it's priced into the markets already. I think that's the the increase in rates that we've seen over the last 6 months is is the market's anticipating this first move. I think, if anything, the volatility we've seen is speculating about the second move. When's the second move going to occur? Is it going to be the next month? Are they going to wait a quarter? Is that, are they going to wait six? You know, how long is it going to be before they start to get on a path? Well, I'll answer your question with a question. <laughs> Great. <laughs> getting ready for I'm getting ready for the presidential vetting. <laughs> um, how long is oil going to keep getting clobbered for? This is a big deal. I mean, and you don't you don't necessarily feel it today um, because you know filling up your tank around here is for something a gallon again. <laughs> However, I mean, oils the price per barrel is very low, and it's got downward pressure on it for months on end. And this has something real to do with those inflation numbers. Uh, I think that's a big part of it too, and and you see that the Feds are making some accommodations to that of like uh, because oil is being hammered um, for different reasons. You know, usually one of the reasons that we cared so much about oil and the economy is that when companies are industrializing and and producing and distributing and GDP's popping and things are going good, guess what? You're sipping the oil pretty hard when that's happening. Um, And that impacts the value of oil. Likewise, when your economy is limping along, 
not doing so good, you're not producing much, guess what? You're not burning a lot of oil either, and that has some effect on it. Um, today, we're not really finding those to be the big market movers in the oil business. So it's one of those things that's making it a little bit uh, tricky to watch and try to get a glimpse in what the Fed thinks about that. Um, I think I think we're probably not looking at an interest rate hike this year. I don't. But then again, it's going to come down to – what happens with those inflation figures? I think that's really it. Everybody's pretty upbeat about housing. Housing's been great. Uh, labor market's been pretty good. Yeah, we need some wage growth to catch up, but that's part of the natural progression of what happens in the jobs recovery. So now what? You know, we got to start seeing that inflation. That's the part of it that we're that we're not seeing or haven't been seeing. And there's been there was some news this week to kind of talk a little bit about that. Uh, inflation readings show that price has begun to firm up a little bit on the producer price index side, rose 0.4% for the month. Um, prices firming for both goods and services. Uh, the industrial sector had a 0.3% rise in output. So you kind of, you start to see that those, that's been a couple months in a, in a row now, right, Dan? I know this stuff's not that exciting to keep track of, but you're hearing more about producer price index uh, producer price index has been doing okay, firming up a little bit, right? I mean, it was just a couple months ago they said that we were seeing producer prices firm and not necessarily passing them through the consumer yet. Um, we've seen consumer pricing firm up a little bit too, but one of the big things that we learned just this week is that consumer spending, um, Retail sales fell 0.3%, showing that consumers are just spending less money. Um, and, of course, this then has that measurable effect on GDP. Um, so I do. I think that that's, that's a big part of what the feds are looking for is a little bit of inflation. Um, those prices going up, that'll be where they start to throw uh, the rate increases in there. And I just i am not convinced we're there yet. Well, the inflation, the last consumer price was a year-over-year -year increase of 0.1%. So basically a flat, and that's the headline number. That's the one that they're probably going to be basing their decision on. Um, the other big component I think they're looking at is the wage growth. And we already touched on that a little bit in relation to rents. Wage growth is just not keeping up with the cost of living. Um, it's really not doing much of anything. We so what happens, though? So just pause real quick right there. What happens then when the Fed goes and manipulates policy to have higher interest rates when those things are still lagging? Well, the cost to borrow is going to be more expensive. So it's going to be harder for folks to, you know, get new new mortgages, maybe keep debt on a credit card if they're not able to pay it off. Um, those those interest payments are going to be more expensive. Going out and getting a car um, is going to be more expensive. Everything that requires borrowing is going to be more expensive. But on the other side, saving money is going to start to yield a little bit more for the consumer. So there's good and bad with it. But I think um, the big concern right now is is discretionary income because we're already seeing you know, things are growing, but it's slower. We want to see more growth. Um, you know, GDP, 70% of that number is consumers spending dollars in stores. And it's GDP has been lagging. 
Um, there was a, a recent reading this week, but it's been lagging behind. It's been lackluster at best. And so I think what we really want to see for better growth with the overall economy is more spending from the consumer, which means more discretionary income, which means in the, face of rising, in the face of rising rates, you need higher wages. Even without, even if rates stay the same, you need higher wages. Sure. You know, you kind of work your way backwards. That's what it all comes down to is people having more income so that there's more discretionary money to spend. Um, until that happens, you know, and... Let's back up even further. You're not going to see that wage growth until you either have, which we're starting to see already, mandated wage increases or more, um, you know, reaching fuller employment, which causes employers to compete over the fully employed um community of people. Um, and, you know, once we reach a full employment, which I'm not saying that we have, but once we get closer to full employment, you're going to start to see people earning less money that have more opportunities to maybe move their way up the wage scale um, because other employers are seeking better talent and they're willing to pay more for it. Yeah. Well, you're going to have to get a credit card with a higher rate to buy yourself a fancier suit, set yourself aside from the uh, competition. Right. You're going to have to get your um, two jobs. You can have an address that employers can uh, <laughs> send your paycheck Send your to. offer letter to. Yeah, your offer letter. <laughs> That's funny. I was reading here about inflation, and one of the things that popped up were, uh, did you, I didn't even know, is this real? You got, sometimes you got to check the date again. There's a uh, avian influenza. Did you guys see that? Mm-mm. Caused the cost of eggs to nearly double. I have seen that and heard that. I mean, I guess I haven't bought chicken eggs in a couple weeks here, yeah, but the the other. I think it's funny too to call them chicken eggs. <laughs> <laughs> I never really use those words like that. Baby, go to the store. Let's have some. I want some breakfast today. Give me some bacon and some chicken well, eggs. Know, some people are using quail eggs. Yeah. No, they're not. Sure, they are. No, they're not. Mm-hmm. For and breakfast. Sure. Where? What the last time you like had a, quail eggs? Like a, you throw them on like a. Maybe you, you drop by Dan's house on Monday on the way to work. He's probably got. Quail you gonna make me a? You gonna make me a quail egg omelet? <laughs> <laughs> How many little, little eggs do you have to crack to make an omelet? It's more like you pop a raw one on top of some. Yeah. Well, that's the interesting thing too. Exactly. Well, this, this says that that the cost of chicken eggs has gone up by. 84.5% in the last month. Well, it has gone up. And the other part of it, too, is, uh, Jason, you might have a hard time getting your Thanksgiving turkey. I saw that. They had to kill 49 of- million chickens and turkeys died or were euthanized? Yeah. That's like a turkey genocide, and I didn't even know that. Mm-hmm. That's terrible. Yeah. Huh. How come all these chickens and turkeys are so sick? <sighs> Who knows? Because of the drought? I don't know. Because they're living Global in cramped warming. quarters, man. Yeah, probably. They're, they're not. That's a myth. <laughs> That's a myth. I've seen the documentaries. That's why, yeah, you did from like the 60s when like the cages were stacked on top of one another so the chicken on the bottom got pooped on by all the chickens above. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen. They don't let Not them all live the chickens above. are living in fancy little houses with stamped concrete floors like your chickens. <laughs> My chickens are happy. <laughs> your chickens you, are living in luxury. You've seen those happy cows commercials? <laughs> I have happy chickens. None of them are living on top of one. Although there's a, hey, there's a real threat to the chickens this week, though. There's a fox that won't leave my coop alone, like digging the perimeter out around my coop. And then what do you do? 
What am I hmm. supposed to do for this fox? I don't know how to handle that. Our big fan Marilyn called in and said that she didn't want to go on the air with you guys, but the price of the eggs went up because they had to off so many chickens. Yeah. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Do you guys big egg eaters? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, actually. Yeah, I, I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a bummer. Bummer yeah. about the chickens. Uh, hey, it's a quarter to ten, which means we need to do our second commercial break here. So let's go ahead and get that done. If you guys want to call in and ask a question, 543-8830, 543-8830. be back in a minute with more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. I see you at our kids' Little League games, I bump into you at the grocery store, and it's always fun when we pass each other at Farmer's Market. I'm not a national bank or a faceless website. I'm a local lender, accountable, competitive, and ready to help. Call Central Coast Lending today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328-358. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. All right, everybody, welcome back. Thanks much for being with us. We had a phone call during the break here to put on first. So let's take Cal from Slug. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Morning. You got a question? I sure do. I just uh, kind of going back to the conversation about how, uh, you know, homeowners are not in such a bad shape as uh, obviously back in the, re- the height of the recession. Uh, values are coming back. 
uh, unfortunately, my father uh, still is kind of caught up. Um, he had a construction loan that was looking to close, I think, in 2007, 2008 sometime. And uh, the lenders kind of jerked him around a little bit where he they didn't disperse the funds in the final finaling of the house. Um, my father leaned on his uh, wife's parents' uh, in-laws. The in-laws bought the house. They've been renting, essentially, to uh, my father. And uh, um, I'm wondering, so I guess what's happened is that the in-laws have said, hey, it's, uh, it's time to get a loan. They haven't been able to get a loan. It's now, you know, six, seven years later, and um, they're pretty much threatening to evict them and say, look, we got to finish this house, final it, and then, you know, since we just sell it, we get affairs in order. Uh, Dad's kind of caught in a little bit of a, a trick where he's self-employed. Um, my stepmother doesn't make the income, and so they're not quite qualified for the amount that they need. And something that he should have been planning, maybe done his taxes a little better, show that income. Are there any loosening guidelines that will help somebody in his position? He's, I think, needs to, you know, get a qualify for three hundred thousand. He can only get qualified for two twenty. I'm telling him that maybe he should go back and amend his taxes and see if there's any more. You know, maybe he took too many write-offs. Um, yeah, the, man, that's a tricky spot. I'll tell you what. There's a few things that come to mind. I mean, first of all, um, I got a couple questions. I just got to know real quick. Your dad's not a vet by chance, is he? Is he what? A veteran? No. Okay. There's a little bit more help there within those loan programs. But then otherwise, um, you know, most of the income calculations, if he looked the the path of figuring out how to change either recently reported income or even income going forward, um, if that's the way that you kind of look to solve the problem. One of the programs that we use quite a bit of for situations like this is a Freddie Mac program that will only do a 12 month income calculation. So, you know, it, it, for most people, especially builders, you know, that the last 12 months tells a lot better picture than the previous 24 months. So sometimes just shortening up that term of income averaging can help a little bit. So that's one way to look at it. Um, you know, and then the other thing too is there are uh, there are different debt to income ratios uh, permitted at different companies, and, and you know I can tell you some of these companies will cap that debt to income ratio at about forty one percent. Others is forty five. I'd suggest is kind of the norm. Fannie Mae likes to cap out around 45 freddie mac will actually go to 50 so sometimes if you can do a 12 month income calculation and push that debt to income ratio up as high as 50 you can still get an approval on a freddie mac loan um and then the other thing you know fha fha at times will allow people's debt to income ratio we've done them as high as like 60 percent. so i it's it's one of these things where i mean i 
I'm glad that you called in. I don't want to give you the idea that it's a slam dunk or something we can definitely help with, but your dad is the kind of case that needs somebody like us, like an expert, to get under the hood and figure out where all of those moving parts are and if there's anything that can be done or even a plan to craft to come up with it. And my experience has been, you know, especially if we can have a conversation maybe that are with the the in-laws and your dad to try to say, hey, this is a reasonable path that we're on and a plan. Um, you know, amending taxes from the prior year is rarely a good idea. Um, I think that looking forward to tax planning for the next year is probably a better way to do it. Um, but there's a handful of other things that come into play there that uh, for one reason I'd like to get my hands in there and take a look at it is um, – I mean, income calculations, somebody like myself, I, I was an underwriter before I became a loan officer. So I'm very um, fluent in reading tax returns, but more importantly, knowing how to calculate that income uh, in ways that are going to be most beneficial to the borrower. There are certain kinds of expenses that can be added back where a rookie loan officer or somebody that doesn't know what they're doing might just blow past it and take some of those AGI numbers as opposed to pushing back in some depletion, depreciation, or other expenses that are customary to a field or something. Um, so really, it's one of those things where your dad's a guy that should come in and, and um, get essentially get approved, pre-approved by us and find out whether there's any hope here at all or not. Because if there's not, I mean... If, as long as we're just just talking openly here, if if it's a total pipe dream and it ain't going to happen, those in-laws should know that sooner than later. They sounds like they only ever tried to help. They've been more than patient. Your dad hasn't exactly done everything he can to make it happen, um, and so we should we should figure out exactly where they lie so that we can tell everybody what you know what the next step is. Sure. If well, you, great. Thanks for that advice. Yeah, and if, you, if you're if you into it, if you want to have your dad give us a call, it's 543-LOAN. Um, and you can have him ask for me. Really, I think any of my loan officers are qualified to help out with that. But you can have him ask for me. My name's Jason. Um, and I, I'll walk you guys through it and see what, what can happen there. It's that... That And the one thing I want you to hear as well as all the other listeners, too, is that these kind of situations, you know, not all lenders are equal. When we're talking about somebody that works at Cal Poly, makes $150,000 a year on a W-2 and has nothing complicated going on, eh, maybe all lenders are equal there. Somebody might have a slightly better interest rate or lower closing costs. When you start getting into the nitty-gritty about doing these you know, accommodating calculations and figuring out how to fit people into programs and push issues where, you know, really need to be able to get something across the finish line that a lot of people are going to give up on quick. That's where you kind of separate the men from the boys, you know, so to speak in the lender world. So you can tell your dad that we're, we're, we do that kind of lending and, and we'd be happy to sit down and see if we can help him out. Great. Thank you. All right, Cal. Thanks for call. What were you going to say, Dana? You kind of looked at me like you had an idea. Well, I, I mean, guidelines change too. You know, that recently Fannie Mae got rid of um, requiring 
the expense, the itemized expense of unreimbursed job expenses. Sure. So there's there's other things that may have changed since the last time that yep. his dad even went and got pre-approved. Um, debt ratios have been revised on on certain programs. Mortgage insurances have changed. So there's lots of opportunities. You know, maybe someone doesn't have access to a my community mortgage where there's a lower mortgage insurance that could lower debt ratios. Or yep. there's so many different things to look at and. You hit on it. Not every lender offers every program, nor do they necessarily offer every program to the full extent that the program will allow them to be qualified. So, right. Um, luckily, we do. Yeah. I mean, that's something. And that, that's why we do, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we want to be able to do every loan. That's that's one of my main functions at Central Coast Lending is to find investors for every program that's offered related to real estate to the fullest extent that it's offered by each agency. Yeah. I don't like turning loans down. No. And you know, it's funny. Um, it kind of more good fodder for this call we got from Cal. Um, we are in that situation where we're only paid. Well, the only way we make money is if we're 100% successful. So every time that phone rings, every time that person walks through the door, every person that responds to one of our ads or something, that's an opportunity for us um, to get paid. And the only way we're going to get paid is if we can successfully fund a loan for them. So uh, this is like, you know, I always love to pick on the banks, but those bank guys, they're, they're sitting there at that cushy desk in that awesome office in downtown um, on salary, where if they just take care of this loan and that loan, they may get to get a bonus or something. They're saying, My, I got three kids, man. <laughs> we need to, we need to, we hit the ground running every morning. And every time we talk to somebody, um, we need to know that we've got the full access to the, all of the loan programs, all of those different little nuances, the ins and outs. We need to be able to give a full, the full Monty to anybody that comes in to get a loan. That's like you, that's the only way little old central coast lending is in here competing with the, the likes of Wells Fargo, um, in that David and Goliath kind of way. That's how we set ourselves apart, man. We're, we're hungry to get those things done. And, and frankly, just sort of aggregate the companies that are all willing to do something, um, even if it's on the edge a little bit, there's plenty of those companies out there. One company doesn't have an appetite for somebody with 12 months of tax or, you know, taxes, whereas somebody else does. So that that's where we're at on that. We're getting uh, to the point of the end of the hour here, which is a little bit sad for me. Are you guys disappointed in that? We have a whole nother hour. You look crushed. We're, we're warmed up now. We're going to be really great in the <laughs> That's, second The hour. second hour is always the best one. Uh, so we do have another hour to come. And I've been uh, saving up some real estate stuff that I want to talk to you guys about. Pending home sales, existing home sales, the Case-Shiller Home Price Index. Um, not all good news there, but uh, interested to talk with you all about that. Stick around after this short break for more Mortgage Matters. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. All right, guys. Welcome back. Man, I'm so used to seeing that 1005 up on the screen right there. 
This has always been the good hour. Don't you guys feel that way? We're both phenomenal hours, Jason. This is the good one, though. Okay. The coffee's kicked in. All right. The well, we've been doing a two-hour show for like three, four years now, and he keeps something, talking about something. the old days. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Just... I can already picture you as a as an old retired guy just telling stories. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, I'm not going to be old and retired. <laughs> I'm going to be like 50 and retired. <laughs> and there it is. <laughs> Gee, that's what the, that's oh, what the deal is. Stories are just going to start sooner. That's right. I'll, I'll probably write a book, dude. <laughs> I'll probably dictate a book to somebody that writes books. I was going to say you should you should hire Marilyn to proofread the the grammar for you. There it is. That's a great idea. Yeah, Marilyn would be right. She'll help you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so hey, might as well just hop on in. I I know. I don't mean I don't want to step on your toes. I, I see a lot of articles over there. It looks and you've highlighted a lot of that stuff. I think you're ready. You want me to talk about this real estate stuff, or do you want to? You want to take the lead for a minute there? No, go ahead. Let's talk. Well, you know, we were talking earlier about these components of the economy and what the Fed's considering and uh, when they're going to raise rates and how all this stuff all fits together. It's that kind of weird puzzle that uh, the Feds are tasked with um, assembling here. And we had a little glimpse here this last week into the current status of real estate. By the way, it's like real estate season right now, isn't it? I mean, it's summertime. This is when it goes down. This is the historically busy season. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, bear in mind here that um, the Case-Shiller Home Price Index is one that's got a two-month lag. So, we're wrapping May in this article. Um, what what happened in the month of May? Uh, and of course, it's a, it's a national metric. They take a look at um, 20 different metropolitan areas across the u.s and and try to get a a barometer of what's what's the deal with real estate there so for the month of may what we found out is that property values increased an average of 4.9 percent over the prior year Um, so again that's may to may 14 to 15 look at april to april we were up five percent year over year so grab your negative headline pen the pace Oh, the pace is slowing. You know, it's it's um it's in line though with that FHFA home price index. Yeah. That one came out the week prior. I think it was up a little over five percent, but pretty much in line. Um, yeah, and uh, so yes, the index home prices has climbed at a slower pace. <laughs> I think that's a interesting choice of words. Um, and then, of course, the big spin here is that the slower pace of appreciation is going to give the opportunity for new home buyers to get into the market without being quickly outpaced by rapidly increasing home value. How about another way of saying the same thing? Home price appreciation is normalizing. And it's good. It's in a very healthy range. Why it's appreciating. Did, nobody wants to buy your paper if your headline is that hey, uh, the value of real estate is in a very healthy and expected and predictable place. (laughs) You'd be like, okay, uh, I need the tattoo magazine next to that then. I'm looking for excitement. Oh, wait, what? You've caught my eye? Climbed at a slower pace? I'll take you over tattoos. Um, 
Interestingly enough, though, um, this so again, this is a reading with a two month lag. So we're talking May. Um, when you dive on over into the next couple of bits here, um, we had a, a read on the pending home sales for the month of June. Okay. Uh, and pending home sales, again, these are homes that are in contract but not yet closed. Okay. Parties have agreed this thing's really, a, a, you know, what should be deemed as an enforceable contract. So it's just coming. Um, and this is compiled uh, with help from the National Association of Realtors because aren't they the who's who of real estate contracts? The answer is yes. Um, that pending home sales index is the lowest level since March, but 8.2% higher than a year ago. Have to just slip that little, uh, some words in there that make it sort of shadowed in gray. Um, I just want to skip that first part about, I don't care about how it relates to March. Year over year, it's 8.2% higher. Um, this is a forward-looking indicator as to whether or not people are still willing to engage in real estate, still have that perceived value and, and, and have that market that we need it to have. And the answer is yes. Um, it's got a, a pretty great little clip here, in fact. Um, and it, it tells us that this these are not discouraging numbers, that um, everybody's anticipated a little bit of a slowdown, haven't they? I mean, we knew that it couldn't go gangbusters for, you know, double digit appreciation for years on end, which we were getting freaked out about in 2011. Remember that? <laughs> I mean, this has been a this has been a cycle of some pretty radical emotion, but we we so badly wanted to save the real estate market that once we saved it, it quickly became overheated white hot. We freaked out, and everybody said, "We really need a slowdown. In fact, we've been anticipating a slowdown and this slowdown is sort of dropping it right back into a very comfortable place. Talking about um, the volume of sales that are happening, the price at which these transactions are occurring, the speed at which the transactions are occurring. It all together feels like a very healthy and normal market that's picking up about 5% a year. Um, and then wait, we have one more. Oh, that this web page. Even Wes, you know, we had Wes Burke um, from Patterson Realty on the show two or three weeks ago, and he he even described the current market environment as the most normal market he's seen in the last ten years. You know, we've seen some wild swings in this market, but the market that we're in, he was talking about not only the appreciation figures, but also the supply of homes, the activity on newly listed properties. It all felt pretty normal, yeah. uh, or at least the most normal that it's felt in the last 10 years. I think that's good. I, I, I really think that's healthy for us to get into a normal market. Um, you know, some people that might call them doomsdayers or whatever, people who feel like the market heated up too much overheated for the last three years and prices got out of control again and are questioning whether or not buying now is a smart move or going to would prove you say to be you call them doomsdayers oh i call them renters <laughs> there are people that prove you know that, that think that buying now is going to prove to be a, a horrible decision at the peak of a market i i just don't see that being true um 
you know, the, the, the fear is that you're going to see a bubble burst. And I think a bubble bursts when, when people can't afford their homes and you have just rampant depreciation where people can't afford it. So they're not making their payments. They didn't have skin in the game and they're just letting properties go, which facilitates a huge downward spiral in value. People can afford their payments that own homes today. People qualified with their full income got fixed rate mortgages. They can afford them. Even if they're softening in value, um, you're not going to see large numbers of people go and start to just stop making payments because they do have skin in the game now. They can afford their payment based on their true and accurate income. Um, you might see, you know, if rates rise and activity slows further, you might see sellers have to do a, a price decrease or something. But it's more likened to um, air coming out of the balloon rather than the balloon just popping. Yeah, I think that you really see what you see when you have a bubble burst. I, I think most simply for me, it's a, when you can find a very widespread and radical change in people's perception. That's what it is. Um, people go from being so excited about something that it's just all the craze and it seems like the next day, everyone's like, I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know what you were thinking. I don't know what we were thinking. It's so doubles back on itself. Um, and yeah, we, we saw that in real estate, didn't we? I mean, we did. I, it was For me, I think it was a really weird thing because I wasn't fully expecting it. But in the end, yeah, it was a lot of people with weird loans. It was also a lot of people that lost jobs that were really high paying and couldn't replace them with another high paying job. Uh, and and I mean, we've been talking about this basically the whole show, but it's that wage thing. How much, how much jobs does it take you to buy the house in town or to even afford the rent for the house in town? How many jobs do you have to have for that? 1.9? That's tricky. But uh, for, I think for a lot of those people in 2005, 2006, 2007, it was like just I, – I remember feeling this. I really wanted to buy a house because I really wanted to be here. Was that – and I knew that if I didn't get in now, okay. it was only going to be more expensive next year. And just ever, if I could work really hard at work this year and get myself a promotion and a raise so that I could qualify for that entry-level home, the entry-level home, is, is it's outpacing me. I can't catch it. So is that's how we did it, right? I mean, that that's what happened. It was a mentality thing. And then all of a sudden, 2009, what a shift. Well, I'm not going to buy that crap. It's worth 10% less than it was a year ago. It's going to be worth 10% less next year. I'll buy it after this whole thing bottoms out. And I think a lot of people sat around and waited for that. Um, and now, I mean, yeah, it bottomed. It's actually, in fact, I think I mean, it, we. It, it's okay to say this, right? Real estate values are back to where they were, aren't they? Most, here, yeah, for the most here, part. I would say for the most in part. In Slow County. Um, so if, if that's the deal, uh, for me anyway, that's the deal, that radical shift in the general perception, what is the next shoe to drop to change people's perception about real estate? 
I, I I don't see anything like that because I, I still look I at one of the major components being what does it cost to rent that house? I mean, if you're buying, if you think a $600,000 house is overvalued, you know, that's a four bedroom home, that home to rent it is going to cost you $3,500 or more. Um, you know, the mortgage payment, if you're putting down even just the minimum 10%, yep. the mortgage payment's going to be three grand. You know, you're still going to be. Yeah, if you have sixty or a hundred or some odd thousand dollars put down on it, and a lot of people don't. I mean, we've, that's what we're talking about, right? With these wage problems, we don't have the same savings level. It, that's one of those challenges to get in there. So I don't see what it is. I don't understand what it is that's going to change perception so much. We have Marilyn waiting on the line from San Luis. Good morning. Uh, hi. How are you guys? Good. You must have heard us talking about you. <laughs> um, I was wondering how the drought and now these fires affect the properties and what happens to the value of their properties, you know, like up north. Yeah, I mean, in from lending standpoint, whenever there's fires and stuff, you know, of course, we need to make sure that the houses that we're lending on are unimpacted by the, you know, actual fire damage themselves. But, you know, to be honest with you, in with the drought and those other natural disasters, it's it's really just well understood that that's just a part of being around here. I mean, it, California is all... Marilyn, you've lived in San Luis Obispo for what I forget what forty years or something. Nineteen fifty-two. Yeah, so sixty-three years. Uh, You're one of our veteran residents here. (laughs) Is this the first time we've ever had a drought around here? No, it's not. (laughs) It happens. I mean, California's kind of an arid desert. We know this is it. We kind of signed up for this. It comes along with that great temperate climate. Two hundred eighty-five sunny days out of the year. Uh, That's what you get is a little bit of lack of precipitation. And Marilyn, do you remember when they built Lopez Dam and it was going to take ten years to fill it, and it filled up in one year? Yeah, (laughs) it was a beautiful park. Yeah, and we had like a drought going on. Right. Yeah. And they were, oh, it's going to take 10 years to fill this thing. And we had a gully washer year. Well, they had some flooding down in Arroyo Grande, and Mm -hmm. they were concerned about that. So Mm -hmm. I keep. But what about uh, people coming in from other states? I mean, like we had beautiful San Antonio and Nacimiento, and and now it's like a, a race, racing for those off-road vehicles right yeah so uh it's never been this bad i don't think yeah well no i was i was here when they voted to have whale rock hmm so i've lived here like a long time yeah but uh, we always had you know the lakes to track people I, I've, I've been watching the weather pretty closely, and from everything I can see right now, the, the El Nino that's coming this year is expected to be, a, in Jim's word, a gully washer. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. Gully washer. Yeah. Uh-huh. So. Really, though. I mean, the models are almost more powerful than they've ever been. I almost that's think good. we're going to have some crisis this year <laughs> just with the flooding that's likely to happen. Mudslides. Yeah, oh, like yeah. That. Wouldn't, yeah. Wouldn't you Everyone say... Could check their roof. Marilyn's question about values, I mean, don't you think that 
these types of events, droughts or whatever, they, they affect different areas differently. Lakefront property, probably not doing so well as far as values are going. Great time to buy that. Right, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you're a believer in the, the gully washer, now's a great time to buy um, a lakefront property because the prices are depressed there right now. Right. Um, people usually want that property because of the proximity to the lake. So <laughs> Now the lake's a mile away. Right. <laughs> but, you know, for, for folks in non-lake areas you know, where maybe building is just being impacted, it creates scarcity, it creates less supply, it affects that supply demand issue, it becomes more expensive to build, which might have a the opposite effect on values, things get more expensive, because there's less homes being built, or it's more expensive to build that newer home. Oh, okay. So it's driving values the other way, it's making things higher. So in the end, it, it sort of um, just is. For yeah. some, it's good. For some, it's bad. But all in all, it, it doesn't – I just don't think it has that big of an impact. And like Marilyn, you said, what about people right. coming from out of state and coming right. in? You know, I'll tell okay. you one of the things that that causes, though, the fact that this place is desirable. This is the reason why you can buy houses still in the U.S. for $40,000 – is that here in California, you got to pay paradise tax if you want to be here. And that's at least in part because there are enough people here willing to pay it. And the people that aren't end up leaving. Um, so it just it, it it's scarce that it, it's expensive and it's a commodity to be here, to be able to live here in this state. You guys, right. might, you guys might be able to touch I'll on this. I'll give you one more trivia. Okay. <laughs> My husband learned how to water ski on a Tascadero Lake. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and when you went to Na Nassimeto, you had to turn on Vineyard and go through Adelaide. Wow. That's so, pretty cool. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah, very. Marilyn, uh, thanks for your call today. I appreciate it. Kind of cut Marilyn short Sorry. For one of our most loyal sorry, of listeners. Yeah, Marilyn, I did not mean One to of so Mortgage hard. Matters most loyal. <laughs> I do have a question though, and this kind of goes in with what Marilyn was saying. Um, like Laguna Lake. They're yeah. having the problems with wanting to dredge it now. Sure. Which now would be a perfect time to do it. It's easier than dredging it when it's full of water. Yeah, exactly. So we, if we get like an El Nino this year, it's going to fill back up, and then they're going to want to dredge it. Sure. So is there any sort of funding that I mean, I mean, why can't why wouldn't they be able to just do like emergency kind of funding to get that done? Do you know? I oh wait. I mean, they're talking about it taking two years to get the funding lined up. I thought, and just. Forgive me if I'm being silly. And that goes back to Dan's lakefront property thing. But I know. thought our governments, both national and local, had never-ending money. Yeah. Well, true. Maybe <laughs> some private party people should go dredge it for the uh, recoverable property, such as guns and cars and these mm -hmm. kinds of things that are known now recently discovered to be in the bottom <laughs> of Laguna Lake. Yeah. Might even solve some crimes in there. There it is. Possibly. Remains, I'm sure. Could you imagine what's in there? I don't want to know. They've already found some pretty outrageous things right. in there. But it would be, I mean, now would be the perfect time. And Does it smell bad funny. over there? I, I don't really go over there. Does it smell bad over there? I got to imagine it smells bad. Just 
unearthing some like dirt and mud and mm-hmm. organic matter that hasn't seen the light of day in 20 years and then now there it is just baking out there probably smells bad oh i'll give you something to think about while we go to commercial break yeah, what a segue this yeah. guy's a pro uh yeah we got to do a commercial break here we'll be back in a few minutes with more mortgage matters to ask a question or make a comment call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832 Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks. I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical. Like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state. State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. Give yourself the best possible chance to buy your dream home with our 21-day close. We get you fully pre-approved before you find your house so you can write a shorter, easier offer and beat out the competition. It's time for you to be the offer that gets accepted. Call Central Coast Lending today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328 For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Put your mic way up down. You're, you're over there singing. You don't want to hear me sing. <laughs> or or see him dance. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Hey, um, I gotta know. Are you? Well, I can't ask you if you guys are cool. So let me just ask you this: How dead is your yard? How cool are you? You gotta have the deadest yard. 
You're pretty cool. I've been to your house. You're pretty cool right now. You guys are saving a lot of water out at your house. Yeah. I've that been... rain, that, that thunder lightning storm kind of ruined my cool factor, though. Oh, you got some good weed growth now? Things are starting to look green. Popping up everywhere. Yeah, yeah my lawn's uh, coming out, actually. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Are you going to switch to the turf? Uh, I'm not or sure. Or the rocks? We haven't really figured it out yet. Yeah. But it's dying anyway, and so... Look Mine there. looks terrible. It's all dead. I want to paint it. I've been seeing those things about lawn painting. Yeah, they have organic paint or whatever. Last, it's biodegradable. <laughs> yeah, it's it's environmentally friendly there paint, you go. but you can get like a green lawn again. Oh, yeah. I only want a free-range organic lawn. <laughs> <laughs> With no OMGs. Yeah, I guess you, you have to like bring a painter out like once every four years or something like that somebody would come out and spray green i don't know if it even lasts that long i don't know i think it's like four months and it's water soluble from what i understand so like if you get a good gully washer on there it'll just rinse your lawn really? and then you have to rinse and repeat hmm. so when, but I, when your lawn gets really dirty to take a like a rug shampooer out there yeah yeah <laughs> just touch it up with some just for lawn like you just you put it on a you put it on a broom and you just yeah you just you because you don't want it to look extreme you want to touch okay. it up neatly um, yeah make it look natural <laughs> but hey seriously though there's an article in the Tribune today I'm not gonna say it's a great article um, because it it sort of lacks a bit of content but brings up a pretty good point about. Um, you know, that, and what we saw this week that many of the local areas here exceeding what the, uh, requirements were as far as water reduction, right? Yeah. I think goals were like 25% and we were across the board. We're more than that throughout our County. So first of all, um, thanks everybody. Congratulations. I'm glad we're all conserving water. Um, and of course, now we need to talk a little bit about the unintended consequences of that. It's one thing to let the the lawn die, but now there's um, arborists are trying to get the word out that you you do gotta still make sure that you're watering your trees. We we actually pose a some threat now to some of these trees that can can actually die or become diseased from cutting the water supply off like immediately right away. So a little reminder, everybody, it's okay. You can, I'll, I'll be the one to say it. It's okay. You can go water your tree if you need to water a tree. It's the lawn everyone wants to hate you for. But yeah. like we still have, I have drip lines around my house mm-hmm. that even those we've turned down to uh, try to just keep everything alive kind of status. But um, it's okay to water some stuff. What we don't want, we just didn't want those, you know, watering into the wind <laughs> twice a day at high noon type of. Well, what you want to do is like you have your your drip line. We have drip lines in my house too, and you have the timer come on at like four o'clock in the morning. Yeah, so that way you're optimal. That way, none of your neighbors can even rat you out. They just because the ones that are awake (laughs) and looking at your yard have no credibility. It'll soak into your lawn. It'll soak into your (laughs) your dirt around the tree. Mm -hmm. That way, it doesn't dissipate as much. There you go. Yeah, it's that's a better practice, right? We need to have a landscaper back on. Let's do that. Probably not a bad to. idea. Who do you want? We'll get you one. Yeah. We haven't had a landscaper on the show in a while. We need one. Yeah. Because they're all busy. Probably. That's a good business. What else you got over there, Mr. P? Well, there was some interesting um, deliberation with the county planning commission. 
Mm. Talking about some different land use items, most of them relating to water. Um, they are they they met on Thursday, seven hour meeting, and they they made no decisions. They actually decided that they need further discussion in August. They may take one or two more meetings to go over some of these different proposals. But, you know, they're talking about some of the big things they were talking about were proposal that requires a permit every time well repairs are needed. Um, you know, property owners who've made significant investments in new plantings are, you know, that they should be allowed to go ahead with those plantings. Um, there's issues about well meters offsetting new water use with water saving um you know, water savings from the same water source, plumbing retrofit requirements. So, you know, replacing outdated faucet heads and toilets with new lower flow types of things, a cash for grass program. Jim might be interested in that. And so these cash for grass. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds so illegal. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I think they've had that program for a while. Huh? <laughs> When we were, uh, we went down to a Dodger game this last week and went to a restaurant. Um, I guess it would be pronounced Felipe's. Yeah. The original Felipe's is, anyway, the, did you. For their Philly sandwiches. Did you go to the restroom at Felipe's? Um, I don't, yeah, I, I did, yes. They had a really cool old faucet that was almost like, like a pipe out of the wall just with like a bib on it and a. Real old, right? Just this thing, full pressure. This thing donked like sixty <laughs> gallons a second on my hands while I'm trying. And ordinarily, I, I'm not too much of a complainer. I, I don't, I don't really get griping about a lot of things. I don't like having to be some kind of like jedi stormtrooper to get a, a a faucet on you know where you're in there you wave it you wave and wait and then you wave and then oh maybe it needs a two-hand wave oh this is one of those new really high-tech ones that's only give me water if it senses the lathering motion so i'm over there in the the sink doing whatever i can to try to trip the infrared uh faucet to give me some water uh i hate that and then you know, there's that other one too where you like you push the button and it gives you like enough water to wash like a fingernail and you, you gotta push it again. Um this was on the far other end of that spectrum about how much water came out. And I actually thought, man, somebody should come in and do something about that. Cause that place was packed. I mean, and it is yeah. it's a a hundred year old restaurant in, in LA. Mm-hmm. Um it, it's I think it's packed from sun up to sundown, and then they so that bathroom they that play, they could solve the drought right there in that one bathroom. <laughs> mm-hmm. Pretty outrageous. Mm-hmm. So I'm all I'm all for uh, retrofits and things like that. I think it makes sense. And if you come in because you ran your well dry and you need to drop your pump or do something like that, it makes sense that the people that are going to approve that would say, "What do you got going on in there?" How old are those toilets? How old are those shower heads? And because you know it's a requirement today when you transact a house, it has to have a low flow toilet in there. And that's one of the things is that as real estate turns over, it, it helps bring them into the 
the 21st century here, some of these houses have never sold. They, I mean, this guy's built it 60 years ago, and it's got that same old plumbing with that high-flow shower and the seven-gallon toilet flush and all that kind of thing. That's yeah. You know, the rest of us over here, guys, we're flushing on like 0.8 gallons now. Well, and like at a Roy Granny, they're they're doing that right now with the toilets, the low yeah. toilets, and we got two that we're thinking about changing. Yeah, it's just like why not? Should I mean you save on your water bill and you don't have half the cost of the toilet? Yeah, I mean they basically give it to you, I think. And mm-hmm. we're starting a uh, a lynch mob this week for anybody with yeah. pools. So yeah. if you guys want to get in on it, what we're going to do is we're just going to go to people that have pools and just go blow their pool up. Just kidding. So, (laughs) but all in all, though, I mean, obviously just kidding, um, but it is great to see that we are, we're using less water that everybody around here sure is. Yeah. It's a hot topic. So the county, the county planning commission um, governs the areas, obviously the, they, the Paso Robles Basin, 790 square miles. Um, They would affect the 12 square mile Los Osos Basin. And the 27 square mile Napomo Basin. Hmm. Just some of the areas that they're in charge of. Very exciting. Yeah. All right. Be anxious to see what kind of rules they come up with. We'll get a we should get a landscaper on the show to talk that stuff. I've I've been wanting to get rid of my grass, especially now that it's like just brown and dead and it's like bat bare patches or of dirt are starting to show through. But then what what am I going to have there? Like, I almost rather have the dead grass than the other stuff. Rocks and cactus or something. I don't know. I'll take dead grass and dirt, I guess. It's just sad. I really enjoy the utility of grass, but yeah, it's it kind of doesn't well, feel right in these kinds of times when water is scarce. To- you know, I love my grass in the wintertime when I my irrigation is off entirely, and that pup's lush. In fact, it's it's great. I mean, it's really nice, and we we use it. You know, I got kids. We're, we play baseball and football and wiffle ball. Yeah. And we use the grass. I like the grass. It, it's nice. Trying to keep grass alive today where it, it ain't raining, there ain't no help. The, and the sun can dry it. Even if you water it at 4 a.m., it doesn't have enough time to soak in. It's as hot. You're going to cook it off. You know, there's other quick. alternatives. They have, like, um, what's that place over by in Los Osos, the sage landscaping place? They have a couple of meadow varieties of, of a grass, basically. One's a California native species and one's an African species of of grass and they um you know they they require very little water you only have to mow them a few times a year Mm. so that may be an alternative we should get a landscaper on the show yeah probably some people that want to know the answers to some of those questions well there's a great benefit right there because i mean you you don't have to water it that much and dan says you only got to mow it like twice a year i mean yeah it's like four four times (laughs) a year you mow it quarterly but if you if you do it that infrequently then it ends up getting taller you know because it is a meadow Mm -hmm. type of of planting so if you want it to be shorter and emulate more of the grass effect you probably have to mow it a little bit more often but still it doesn't require that much water i kind of want that like the uh turf stuff it just looks so 
fake? How come they can't make one that looks a little more real and just mix some brown in with it? Put like a you know a dog pee yellow circle over there, so it's just it looks like it. You know what I mean? I'm gonna like make an old TV show reference here, but every time I think of that, I still think of the Brady Bunch in their backyard. Yeah, you ever watched a rerun of the Brady Bunch? Like wow, they were so obviously, ahead of their time. Huh? Obviously fake grass in the backyard. Well, yeah, it was because it was on lot thirty three. Yeah, it was in the sound stage. But anyway, right. this is kind of funny. I just think of that kind of astroturf still very sterile yeah like very, very yeah mm-hmm. known inorganic exactly. yeah it's too Full uniform it's of, too uniform it doesn't look natural right. right that's what i'm saying you gotta put some brown in it thin it out over there yellow dog pee spot make it look you know that's what it like needs. a dandelion grown in a few places yeah, yeah. That, there it is I mean, this is 2015 you can make some grass that looks less than uh like it's off the set of pleasantville Right, It'd I be think perfect. So. Yeah. That would be a that great could be big business. Let's do it. We'll just call it okay artificial grass. <laughs> okay, it's artificial okay. Grass. What are you gonna get? I got a gum wrapper in mine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mine came with tire tracks, like someone in a dually drove across it. <laughs> <laughs> could just offer different. Yeah, <laughs> people could pick out their own. What do you imprint. like? <laughs> Can you put a bunch of feathers in mine like someone shot a bird? You got it. Well, this yeah, well, in that corner over there. I'm thinking of something, but how do I say it on the radio? Did, a, did oh. an animal leave a present for you on the right? Line? Doggy done it edition. <laughs> it we'll have all. We'll have all of those. It'll be. <laughs> it'll be brilliant. Uh, clearly, we need some time to regroup and focus and come up with something better to talk about. So we'll do our final commercial break of the hour here. Stick with us for more Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. As mortgage experts, we can help you refinance your home or investment property. We can lower your rate, shorten your term, or get rid of your mortgage insurance. Don't miss the opportunity to improve your financial situation. Call Central Coast Lending today. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328-358. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. 
through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change. Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. Here's the story of a lovely lady who was bringing up three very lovely girls. All of them had hair of gold, like their mother, the youngest one in curls. All right, a little throwback for you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks, Jim. The AstroTurf Backyard. That's right. <laughs> I think we're on to something here. Yeah. We're going to start working on that project. I, I like the Brady Bunch, and it reminds me of the time when, uh, you know, they took the opportunity. Each show had a lesson, right? They, Bobby got caught stealing something, and they, yeah. you know, took a half hour to figure it out give that lesson to everybody right mm-hmm. it gets so tough he ends up isolated and alone because he's been deceitful yeah. and you know not today though we don't we don't try to trick anybody into those good life lessons on no, today's tv <laughs> oh boy so this week we spent a little bit of time working on lot and construction financing yeah. for a client um and one thing that I found interesting um, as we were doing some research and speaking with a realtor that was involved in this transaction is that this type of activity is really picking up around the county. Yeah. Um, lot purchases and building. I was kind of surprised over there's a neighborhood over in San Luis Obispo where there were like six or seven new homes being built all in the same little stretch of a road three four blocks where where there are some new lots that became available yeah just custom homes too not even like a subdivision no really nice nice neighborhood nice custom homes um but yeah uh, you know the the realtor one of the listing agents in fact was saying that um the lot one lot that she was listing had been listed for about 30 days and all of a sudden the activity really has picked up in the last week or two um you know really can't answer her phone fast enough. So I found that to be interesting, and I think it, it speaks to a couple of different things. One is that um, people are having trouble finding an existing home that meets their needs, so building um, is one way to achieve that goal. I think that the environment for building has changed a little bit, that now um, there might even be a little bit of profit for a builder to build a speculative home. Oh, come on. And it also shows us that there is lot and construction financing available. Banks are lending money for those types of projects, believe it or not. Uh, It's something that we've helped a couple get pre-qualified for, um, both the purchase of the lot as well as the construction financing. <clears throat> so that stuff is available. The The whole idea of building new construction was it was it wasn't even existing a few years ago. Well, you could I mean, you add up the materials alone, let alone labor and all the other things that go into building a home. 
the home would sell for less than than the sum of the parts. Right. So I mean, that was the norm for a, a minute. And now it seems like um, with the appreciation back in the market over the last several years that now there's actually the ability to build a home for at or below what you could sell the home for. So there's, oh yeah, it's actually a something that that makes sense um, again, and and the fact that you can get financing for it's a huge deal because not everyone has, you know, five, six, seven, eight, whatever, a million dollars worth of cash just lying around to be able to do this kind of project. Um, you can actually get the financing for these types of projects, and the activity is picking up. So I think that's encouraging um, for for everyone, really. You know. A lot of a lot of the issues that we've seen in housing is just a lack of supply. This is that historically busy time of of the year, the summer, the spring and summer buying season, as it's referred to in the real estate industry. It's when kids are getting out of school and families. It just makes more sense for families to make that kind of major life move um, is this time. And what we see on our side is a bunch of pre-qualified buyers that are just waiting to find the right house. Yep. And it should be busier than it is right now, but the the fact that there isn't enough quality product out there for people to buy, we have a lot of people that are just qualified, ready, willing, and able, and just can't find the home that meets their needs. Um, seeing building activity and hearing that building activity is picking up, even if it's on just an infill basis, is a great thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, you know, I think that... As real estate has kind of returned back to the those levels, you know, where it's expensive. It, when you get in there and you get going, it, I mean, a lot of the people that get pre-qualified, they come back a little bit sticker shocked after a couple of weeks. All right, well, went out and looked for the stuff that was at my max number, and now I'm back because I have a new max number. Um, it It's a tricky little market, and I think it, I get the sense, too, that um, it's expensive enough to, now that I see uh, less people settling. You know, I think people are, and Wes said this too on the show a few weeks ago, is there more people are willing to wait now and, and make sure that they don't make a hasty decision or something. That being said, that doesn't change the inventory amount. There's just only so many properties around for sale. So, uh, you know, as you could imagine in that kind of market, when something fresh hits the market that's priced well, it gets a lot of activity. So we are still seeing things sell really fast. I mean, I, I still see a good listing come on that receives multiple offers and oftentimes sell within the week. I see plenty of that. Um, and and it, it is. It's competitive and stuff. But that being said, rates are still really low, too. When I was driving in today, I was thinking about that of um, how we could convince people that that refinance fever is um, should be alive and well. <laughs> right? Because, because mentality really shifted away from that for the last um, you know year probably where uh, so many people were had already refinanced or maybe even just bought a house or something and I just wish we had a bigger platform to get the message out that these rates are still crazy low they're really good and you can still refinance I mean we keep 
seeing these articles that talk about the average interest rate in the U.S. is still over 6%. Um, there's still plenty of people with those old higher rate loans, maybe because the income was down or the equity was down or whatever reason they couldn't refund or they only went to Wells Fargo and were told no instead of coming to a company like ours where we say yes a lot more. Um, lots of people could still stand to benefit uh, a refinance. And then additionally, um, how many of those people bought houses in the last several years here where they had less than a 20% down payment, so have some kind of mortgage insurance? There's plenty of those people that could and should probably come in to you know, look into a refinance. Um, so many reasons I wish people really understood, but that the the mentality is gone. There's the refi fever is over. Um, I was getting I always get a kick out of those um, cash call commercials when we were driving in today. They've got that one for the I don't know the redo or the do over or something. The do over loan. What is a do over loan? It's a refi. Yeah, it's where you do all the same stuff you already did. They should call it a mortgage rerun. Um, I, I always laugh at that because they make it sound as though because you recently did a loan, you're not going to have to do anything. <laughs> That's not true. You're going to have to do all the same stuff you already did. Um, but that being said, um, it's a, this is a great opportunity for people to, to call in and figure out whether or not they benefit from doing a refi for any one of those reasons. And um, we had commercials from yesteryear about people – um, hey, maybe refinance to make your payment go up. Hear what I said there? Refinance into a higher mortgage payment. You know why people do that? Because they can shave lots of years off the loan. And hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. in interest. If you look at the interest payment on a 30-year loan versus a 15-year loan, it's dramatically different. If you can get into a 15-year loan, it's it's a pretty sweet uh, way to pay off your home a lot sooner and pay a lot less in interest. We don't have a lot of time, um, but we do have a caller who's who's trying to get in here. We got Anna calling from Arroyo Grande. Hello. Hi. Good morning. You have a question? Hi. Good morning. Yes, I have a, a quick question. I know I came into the late the latter part, but um, what do you think of reverse mortgages? Ah, yeah. I always I I feel like I have a pretty canned response to this, as it's not changed for years now. Um, I really like reverse mortgages a lot for people that need them. Um, you know, all in all, I'll say this: it's a I think it's a loan of uh, last resort. If you can qualify for any other kind of loan, um, I think you probably should consider it. Uh, but the reverse mortgage, I think, is actually a great loan. And I, I realize there are people right now that are rolling their eyes at me. Um, but let me tell you why. Um, I think it's a great loan. The first thing that I got to say about it is I think it's the most misunderstood loan being done today. Uh, people think that you're... you're lose your house or somehow or other you can't leave your house to your heirs or something like that. And that's just simply not true. Um, the reverse mortgage is one where if you, depending on how you structure it, you could either take a lump sum of money, you could take a monthly payout. Some people get no money at all. It just wipes out their mortgage and they just, their mortgage payment stops and that's it. 
Um, but all in all, then it's just a loan against the house. And you're, you can, uh, in fact, we're, I'm helping a gal right now refinance out of a reverse mortgage that we got her four years ago. She needed a reverse mortgage really bad because she couldn't qualify for any other kind of loan. So reverse mortgage. And now we're looking at refinancing her out of that. Um, yeah, so you never lose the home. You don't have to leave the home. Um, your heirs will still inherit equity. It's a it's a really misunderstood loan that I always like helping people with. And I'll tell you what, of all the loans I've done, which have been tens of thousands in my careers, none of them um, stack up to be so rewarding and fulfilling as a reverse mortgage does. Um, those are life changing mortgages for people that need that money or need that mortgage to stop or something. Um, so we don't have enough time to really explore. Are they higher? Uh, no, the interest, I mean, they're, they're a little bit higher, but still plenty low. I mean, they're in the 4% range. The trouble with them is that they're through FHA, so there's a there's a mortgage insurance premium that's got to be paid, um, which kind of makes the closing costs a little bit higher. Uh, but it, Anna, we're running out of time here, so I got to let you go. But if you wanted if you want to talk more about it, I'd love to chat with you about it. You can call me this week at the office. My number is five four three loan. Okay, thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Yeah, there's so much more about that that I wish I could say, but I just don't have time to. Um, so, yeah, I was I was kind of just trying to, to make the call out. I hope you guys get the sense of it, but um, Dan and I are just a couple of down-to-earth guys that happen to own a mortgage company, and we have all of the programs and all of the products, and um, I dare say all of the knowledge as to how to, to wrangle these for you guys. So if you're considering a reverse mortgage or you need to get rid of your mortgage insurance, if your interest rate's higher than it should be, um, we had a great call early in the show um, from Cal, who's, whose dad got into a pickle over a construction loan a few years ago, and it sounds like he needs the help um, of us to figure out how to, how to solve some of those problems. That's what we do. Um, you know, like I said earlier, anybody can do the standard old vanilla W2 wage earner type alone. Uh, and we do those too. We do those well too, but, but we're problem solvers and can to represent all the different loan types and help you guys with that stuff. If you need our help, whether it's qualifying for lot and construction financing, looking for an existing home to buy, or refinancing into a lower payment, a shorter term, or out of mortgage insurance, we can help you with any and all of those needs. Uh, there's one easy number. Just call 543-LOAN. <laughs> you can sing it. You can dial it. Um, you just got to call it if you need help. It's 543-LOAN, 543-5626. I recognize that not everybody wants to hop right on the phone with a salesperson. Um, so we tried to make a pretty robust website that you guys can check out at centralcoastlending.com. Uh, you can read about the programs. We've got some calculators on there that will help you figure out payments and uh, that kind of thing. Also, we've got a great rate tracker page, which shows you whether interest rates have recently been heading up or heading down and kind of help you understand what the different rates for the, each program are. If you guys want to check that out, go on over to Central Coast lending.com um, it never ceases to amaze me but every time we talk about it somebody will go on there and just fill out a loan application so hey go for it you can do that too check us out at centralcoastlending.com or give us a call at 543 loan either way we'd love to hear from you and help you with your real estate needs have a great week guys we'll be back next week with another live episode of mortgage matters